hope beyond this life. We serve a God of the impossible. And as we journey over the next four weeks, this four-week series, may we stretch ourselves, as the Plato gave illustration, that we might stretch ourselves in our faith, that we would have mountain-moving faith. I read a story about a, a small farming community that had been experiencing a severe drought. And this was a struggle because the fields were not producing. It was dry. It was dusty. And the, the people were worried because many in that community, that's how they made their living. That's how they survived. And the pastor of the local church encouraged the community to come together and meet outside of the church building to pray for rain, to spend some time agreeing in faith that God would provide rain. And some people arrived, and, and you could sense the, the intense need for rain to, to come together and to be poured out on this community. And the crowd was, was there's a seriousness about their meeting together. And, and as the pastor was getting ready to begin the meeting, he noticed a young girl standing quietly in the front. Her face was beaming with excitement. And then he saw beside her, open and ready for use, was a colorful umbrella. A colorful umbrella she had next to her, ready for use in this time of praying for rain. And as he stared at the umbrella, he was a little ashamed that he did not bring one himself. And then in that same moment, a sudden surge of, of hope and, and a sudden surge of confidence took place in his heart. This little girl's childlike innocence warmed his heart as he realized how much faith she possessed. And though the, and though the town had come together to pray for rain, it seemed no one else had thought that maybe they should bring an umbrella to keep from getting wet. How would you describe your faith this morning? Is it a faith that keeps you dry as you pray for rain? Or a faith that causes you to be all wet? If someone was to investigate your relationship with Jesus today, would they find faith? Or would they find fake my expectation is, is, that, is that they would find faith this morning, a mountain-moving faith. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, you are the God of the impossible. And God, this morning, we want to be your children that has a faith that can move mountains. May you be honored and glorified through our time together as we sit in our living rooms, maybe in our kitchens, our dining rooms, in our offices, maybe in our vehicles, wherever we're at this morning, as we gather together and imagine those who we normally spend Sunday mornings with. May you move mightily in our hearts and our minds, that you would stretch us, that you would stretch our faith this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. As we began this God of the Impossible series last Sunday, it was a series that I had put together several months ago. 
A series that God is still working in and through to really encourage us and build us up and challenge us during this season of life that we're facing. And so I want us to look at Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 14 through 20. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. And we find a situation where a crowd has gathered. And so if you turn over in your scriptures with me, I'm reading from the New International Version. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. And just right before this, Jesus was up on the mountain. And he's with Peter and James and John. And and we have this experience of the transfiguration. And and we have this mountaintop experience that's taking place. And and so they're coming down off the mountain. And so right in the background of this crowd that's gathering together is this mountain that Jesus was just on with a few of his disciples. And we read, beginning in verse 14, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus said. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. A lot of times we really struggle with these verses, especially verse 20. And in our culture, we've twisted this verse around and and caused it to be something that it's not. In fact, maybe you've even heard someone say, well, if if you would have had more faith, you would have been healed. Or maybe you've heard someone say, "If, if you would have had more faith, that person would not have died. And we begin to misunderstand what it means to have faith. We begin to have this mentality that faith is like a currency, that if we have enough of it, then we can put it in the toy machine. And when we put our currency of faith in the toy machine, then we get out of the toy machine whatever we're wanting because of the currency of faith that we're putting in. And that's not how it works. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. And the truth is, is that if we are to have mountain-moving faith, then write this down, mountain-moving faith is, going, is focused on the Father. Mountain-moving faith is focused on the Father. Before we get too far, I, I want to look at this idea of faith. How, how does God's Word define faith? And I believe that it's, it's, in its root, there is this trust and confidence in God. And the writer of Hebrews gives us a great working definition of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, very familiar to many of us this morning. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and a assurance about what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. John Emmons shares that the African Impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. And yet, these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in the zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Faith. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures that all too often in our lives hold us down, hold us in because of fear that we face. They entrap us. And it isn't about us and what we can see, but it's about God and what he can do. One night, a house caught fire, and a, a young boy was forced to the roof to, to escape the flames, and, and yet all around him, the, all to his sides, there, there was flames coming up, and there was smoke, and, and there was darkness that was taking place, and, and the father stood on the ground below, and he had his arms outstretched, and he was yelling to his son, jump! Jump, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And yet, once again, the boy, all he could see were the flames and the smoke. And he could feel the heat and the darkness all around him that evening. And as you can imagine, he didn't want to leave the roof. He, he felt safe on the roof, and, and yet he felt in danger all at the same time. And his father kept yelling, jump, I can catch you, I'll catch you, just jump. But the boy protested, daddy. I can't see you. And the father replied, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. Faith is a way to see the world through the lens of the reality of God's abiding presence and his work and his power among us. Let me say that to you again. Faith is a way of seeing the world through the lens of God's abiding presence, his work and his power among us. That lens changes how we view everything. Faith is powerful. It's transformative. It's the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, and our salvation is dependent upon our faith in God. We believe in God. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that sin separates us from God, and it's through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we are brought back into relationship with God. We believe that if we are willing to surrender our lives over to Jesus, that we can have eternal life in him. Now look again at what is going on in these verses. Back to Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20. We read, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Because you have so little faith. That's what the NIV translates those verses into saying, because you have so little faith. The, the NASB, the New American Standard, says, because of the littleness of your faith. 
And the New King James says it this way, because of your unbelief. You see, their focus was on themselves. And you can hear that in the question. Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? It wasn't on God, it was on themselves. And for many of us today, we're kind of like the traveler in the early days of the West. He came to the Mississippi River and and discovered there was no bridge. Fortunately, it was winter and, and the great river was sheeted over with ice. But the traveler was afraid. He was afraid to trust the ice, not knowing how thick it was. And he was fearful of the freezing cold water that lied underneath the ice if he was to fall in. Finally, with infinite caution, he crept on his hands and knees and and managed to get halfway over. And then he heard, he heard, yes, he heard singing. He heard singing from behind, and, and cautiously he, he, turned, he turned around, and, and there, out of the dusk, came another traveler driving a four-horse load of coal over the ice, singing as he went. Both travelers were putting their faith in the same ice to keep them safe. However, one was limited by his faith because he was more focused on what was under the ice, and the other was focused on the strength of the ice. And how many times do we do the very same thing in our lives? We want to step out in faith, but do we really trust God as we step out and trust him that he's going to take care of everything? We get a little more insight into the story from Mark's account. If you'll turn over to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, so Matthew and then just over to Mark. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 21, says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, for many of us, we have this belief, this faith in God that that he can do all things. And yet as humans, as finite beings that only know the here and now in this moment, it's a struggle. And I believe all Christians face this at different times or where we have a faith, we have a belief, and yet we're struggling with our unbelief. And yet that prayer, that prayer had an impact on Jesus. Because as we read in the next verses there, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd that was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him 
and never enter him again. His focus, you see, the father's focus went from his, himself, to Jesus. And when it went from himself to Jesus, Jesus did the impossible. Jesus caused a boy that from birth had been facing this evil spirit of mute and deafness. And now something miraculous took place because he went from taking his focus off of himself and putting it on Jesus. You see, mountain-moving faith is focused on the Father. And according to Jesus, it only takes a little bit of faith. One commentary said that the, the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds. It has been supposed by some, therefore, that he meant to say, if you have the smallest or the feeblest faith that is genuine, you can do all things. The whole point of this illustration really isn't about the amount of faith because it's a mustard seed. Jesus intentionally picked the smallest, most minuscule little thing that all of them could relate to and said, this is the amount of faith that you need to move a mountain. And he's not saying if you have a mustard seed and a faith that you can move this mountain, and can you imagine if you had an avocado-sized amount of faith, that that kind of seed, man, you could, you could move the whole world. No, that's, that's not what Jesus is getting at. That's not what he's trying to say. And yet, for many of us, that's what we've taken those words to mean. A lot of people have applied it that way in their lives, and all too often we think that in our lives that, man, if, I don't, if I've never been able to move a mountain, then, then I must have a small faith. I must not even have a, a faith the size of a mustard seed. i got to start working on that. i got to start you know, building up my faith. i got to muster up my own abilities. i got to work harder. i got to have a positive mental attitude. i got to do everything that I need to do in order to make sure that my faith can move mountains. Why do we always make it about us? Faith is the exact opposite. Faith has really nothing to do with us and has everything to do with God. Even the smallest amount of faith, the smallest amount of true confidence in Jesus and in our Heavenly Father, when we have that, we can move mountains. Mountains can be moved, and, and yet, all too often, I, I have that mentality of we can move mountains. And in reality, it isn't us. I want us to remember and understand something this morning. It isn't us that moves the mountains. It's God. God is the one that moves mountains. It's not us and our ability to, to build up our willpower and, and our faith and that's going to move the mountains. It's God that moves the mountain. That's the whole point. So mountain-moving faith focuses on the Father. And mountain-moving faith listens to God's voice. Since it's about God and our focus should be on Him, it, it shouldn't be about what I want. It should be about what God wants for me. And this is where so many of us get twisted. Because we've turned God into a genie and a lamp. We've turned faith into the rubbing of the lamp in order for us to get what we want. We say, God, I, I want this. 
or, or God, I want this to happen in my life, or I want, God, I just want, you know, to have you do it my way. God, you're here to give me everything I want, right? And God says, no, no, not at all. In fact, Charles, you don't even know what you want. God's saying to me, Charles, I know what you need. I know really what you want. God's word to us is very simple. Trust me and know that I, what I want is what's best for you. I've shared these verses lately, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Whether you understand it all at the time or whether you have to completely put your faith in God as you don't understand what's going on, God wants you to have real life, to submit to him, to have authentic, vibrant, and real life. And all too often, we pray prayers like this. God, I want to have a faith for you to do this or that for me. And when in reality, the best prayers of faith always begin with, God, what do you want to do? Have you ever stopped to do that? To ask God what he wants? If we are to have mountain-moving faith, our focus has to be on the Father. And we have to listen to his voice. And our best prayers of faith start with the question, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what do you want to accomplish? Because I want to be a person of faith that trusts you. God, you are big in my life, and I don't want to put you into a little box. I want to align myself, God, with everything that you are doing. And when we do that, that's when our lives are transformed. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. And John writes to the church, to the believers, he says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Did you catch that? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's not about me wanting a cherry red Ferrari for free. It's powerful when in faith we listen to his voice. We listen to his will. And our faith in God's will really comes to the surface when we surrender our will to God's will in difficult situations. God never promised us an easy life. But he did promise in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, to never leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Listening to God's voice is not an easy skill to develop, but it all begins with prayer and the word. Jesus says in John 10, verse 27, John 10, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And the more time we spend in prayer and the Bible, the easier it is to hear what God wants to know, what God wants, and to know him and to obey him. The more time we spend with him, the more we're going to understand what he wants from us and our willingness to obey him is, bec- is going to be easier. In fact, for a lot of us, it's kind of like uh, being a parent for our toddler. You know, when, when they first start trying to talk to us, there, there's like a whole sentence that might take place, and we have no clue what our baby toddler might be saying until we spend more time with them. We spend more time listening to them, and we begin to understand what they're saying, and pretty soon we can, we can decipher exactly what they're saying. In fact, uh, just the other a month or so ago, I was talking to uh, one of the young children in our church, and, and their parents were staying right there, and, and he said something to me, and I just kind of looked to the parents and, and to see if there was a translation that might take place, and they kind of looked at me, and they're I don't know, you know, but it's the time that we spend with our toddlers to the point where we begin to really understand. In fact, we were watching a home video just the other day where Bodie, I don't know how old he was, if he was like three or so or two, I can't remember, but gunk meant drink and gunk gunk meant thank you. And I don't know, it's like, thank you for the drink, can I have a drink, gunk, and thank you, gunk, gunk. So, I mean, we begin to understand, it's also maybe kind of like, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to read this here, but this says, this is a game, Mad Gab, it says, us houseer, us houseer. Now, I'm not really wanting you to, to hear me say us houseer, but I want you to be able to hear what I'm really saying, us houseer. A sow's ear. Or maybe this side where it says, Nat shun a line thumb. Any guesses? Nat shun a thumb. National anthem. You know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. This game is not an easy game. But if you're really listening to the voice of God, you can begin to hear his will for you in your life. The same is true as we seek out what God wants for us. And if we're going to have mountain-moving faith, we have to make listening to God's voice an everyday experience in our lives. And the third thing I would encourage you to write down is mountain-moving faith requires a response of obedience. It requires a, a response of obedience. James says it this way in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. James 2, 14 through 18 What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself If it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. 
Do you see what James is trying to tell us? Faith without a response of obedience is dead. Because faith without works isn't faith. It's just talk. Belief always impacts behavior. Let me say that again. Belief always impacts behavior. And when I hear that God wants me to take a step of faith, then I need to be willing to take that step. We need to step out in faith sometimes. And there's a story about a traveler who hiked for many miles across the desert mountains. His water supply was gone, and he knew that if he didn't find water soon, he would surely die. And in the distance, he noticed an abandoned cabin and hoped to find some water there. Once he made it to the cabin, he discovered an old well. Then he noticed a tin can, a tin can that was tied to the pump with a note inside. It said, dear stranger, this water pump is working, is in working condition. But the pump needs to be primed in order for the water to come out. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun. There's enough water in the jar to prime the pump, but not if you drink any first. Pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you'll get all the water you need. Please Fill the jar up when you're done. Now the man had a choice to make. If he trusted the note and poured the water in and it worked, he would have all the water he needed. But if he didn't, but if it didn't work, he would still be thirsty and he might die. Or he could choose to drink the water in the jug and get immediate satisfaction, but it might not be enough. And he still might die. After thinking about it, the man decided to risk it. He poured the entire jug into the pump and began to work the handle. And at first, nothing happened. And he he got a little scared, but he kept going, and water started coming out. So much water came out that he drank all that he wanted, and he washed up. And he filled the jar back full again. When we are willing to step out in faith, then that is when the power of God is released. The power of God is always released in obedience. Did you catch that? The power of God is always released in obedience. And if you want to see the power of God, then take a step of faith based on what you know him to be saying. Maybe it's something as simple as God's talking about how you are spending your money. God's talking about how you are treating your spouse. God's talking about how you're you're treating your kids. Or maybe it has something to do with your siblings. God's talking about where you should go to college. God's talking about something at work. I I don't know exactly what God might be speaking to you about this morning. But take that step of obedience. Because that's where the real fruit of faith is born. Through obedience. So what mountain? 
does God want to move for you today? What obstacle is there between you and what you know God has for you? What God wants for you? What obstacle is there between what God wants for your family? But you're like, ah, I don't know. It, it's, it feels like it's impossible. What obstacle is there between what God wants for you in the context of your work or your finances that you think there's just no way? I believe that God wants to move mountains in our lives. Will we learn to walk in mountain-moving faith? Do you need to pray as the father of the boy in Mark 9 prayed? Jesus, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Are you willing to let faith change you? Because when you do, According to Matthew 17, 20, nothing will be impossible for you. And as the praise team comes, we're going to sing a song of invitation, a song of commitment this morning. Mountain-moving faith requires a response of obedience to the God of the impossible. If you need to respond in faith and obedience and give your life over to the one true God of the impossible for the very first time this morning, I'd encourage you to please reach out through our digital respond to invitation card on our website at pvcc.info. And I will reach out to you to share the truth of what God's word says when it comes to giving your life completely over to him. And maybe this morning you, you just need prayer, you have a concern that's been on your heart, you need someone to talk to, please use that same respond to invitation card. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, if there's those that are here online listening and they need to surrender their lives over to you for the very first time, they need to have faith that there is the one true God of the impossible, then that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sins. And they believe that this morning, and they need to know what scripture says about repentance, about confession, about being obedient through baptism, and about walking in the spirit, Father. If they need to, to study through that, what your word speaks about that, I pray that they would reach out this morning. May you, through your Holy Spirit's power convict hearts and change lives that our faith in you would move mountains and it's in the name and the power that only comes through jesus christ we pray amen